0: Welcome to the King's Church Ambition Podcast. For more information and resources, go to www.kca.church. We're so delighted to be back with you. We can't believe it's seven months since we stepped down from leadership here and launched our new ministry called Encounter heart to heart, from the heart of God to the heart of the people. Uh, We brought together a little news sheet with an overview of the last six months. So if you would like a catch-up, and if you're interested, they're here at the front, uh, at the stage as you leave this morning. Today I've been asked to focus on Ephesians chapter 4, under the heading Growth. It's in the context of your teaching series called God's grand design for his house, his church. And over the past few weeks, you've looked at the plan, you've looked at the power, you've looked at the building, you've looked at the strengthening, and now today we look at the growth. Last week, a Glasgow Celtic played Motherwell. And after the game, their manager, Neil lennon said this the game was a match of two halves well of course it was there was a the first half and the second half <laughs> what did he mean it was a match of two halves well what he really meant was that the first half was so different from the second half we scored one goal in the first half against Motherwell. we scored three goals in the second half Against mother woe. Now, although Ephesians is one letter, there are two distinctive halves. The first three chapters is all about doctrine and theology, it's about incarnation and redemption and justification and predestination and sanctification. And then chapters 4 to 6 is how does that doctrine, how does that theology impact our lives on a daily basis? If chapters 1 to 3 is about theology, then chapters 4 to 6 is about applied theology. And that's why Paul says in verse 1, which is the turning point of the whole letter, he says, as A prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling which you have received. The word live here in the Greek literally means to walk. To walk a life worthy of the calling. Paul uses the same word five times in the next two chapters to emphasise That the Christian life is not about making one decision. The Christian life is about a walk. It's about a journey. It's about progress. It's about growth and a destiny. And in this chapter, Paul longs that they would grow in a number of areas. And for the sake of time, I want to mention four. First of all, growth in unity. Verses 2 to 7. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body. There is one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord. One faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul says, we are the body of Christ, united together in him. He says, being joined to Christ means that we're one in him. And that's why he speaks about the one Spirit, Lord, faith, baptism, God, and Father. Unites us together. Paul says you don't have to create this, you don't have to make it happen. Because it is something that was conceived, it was something which you received when you were born again of the Spirit of God. The unity with God, the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit and his bride, the church. It was a done deal, you became one, united together. It is a mystery. This side of eternity, it is a mystery. But Paul says, you need to protect, you need to preserve, you need to cultivate, you need to feed that unity. Why? Because God commands his blessing to flow where there is unity. Paul highlights three characteristics of the heart which would enhance that unity. For the sake of time, let's look at them quickly. First of all, He speaks of a humble heart. Paul's description of the servant king in chapter 2 was still very much in their minds. Or maybe they were remembering John chapter 13. The servant king when he washed the disciples' feet. That story was told time and time again. The Son of God who saw the towel, the Son of God who saw the basin, who saw the water, who saw the dirty feet, the Son of God who girded himself with a towel and he washed the disciples' feet. You see, reality is this, that a humble heart will always seek to serve rather than be served. A humble heart will always see the towel, the basin, the water and the dirty feet and respond. A humble heart is not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less. Jesus was humility personified and that should be reflected within his body, the church. And when it is, we become strong in unity second characteristic that cultivates unity is a loving heart he said bear one another in love now this love that paul speaks about here is not just a feeling or an emotion but it's an action The word bearing means to support. It means to carry. It means to strengthen. It means to take the strain off. Paul says God's love within the body is never passive, but it's always active. The love of Jesus always led him to action. He loved the crowd, so he fed them. He loved the sick so he healed them. He loved Mary, his mother, so he changed six jars of water into wine. He loved the sinners, so he sat with them and he ate with them and he drank with them. And Jesus in John 17 says this, Sacrificial, unconditional, outrageous love will be the hallmark of those who belong to me. This is the key element in God's grand design for his house and for his church. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Bear, support, and strengthen each other in this unconditional love. And that unity will be cultivated. Third characteristics which cultivates unity here is patience, a patient heart. Now in case you didn't notice, the body of Christ is made up of imperfect people. That's you and me. People who say things and who do things that are not only wrong but deeply irritating. (laughs) And when that happens, it's so easy to react in the natural instead of responding in the spiritual. Paul said, instead of condemning and criticising and moaning and complaining, which fragments the body and the unity Paul says there is another way of responding and that way is patience. Patience sees beyond the faults and the failures and declares that God is still at work. Patience declares that failure is never final with God. Patience always sees the potential for God. When you look at the Gospels, you will find that Jesus had incredible patience when it came to his disciples, that motley crew. Yet by his grace and by his spirit, they turned the world upside down. And it's that same patience which we are called to express to each other as we seek to enhance unity. When I was looking at this passage, I, I said to Liz, you know, there's, there's nothing new here for kings. They know this. Then I received a phone call from this church asking if we would do a church weekend away. And uh, the pastor said to me, I'm not sure that you'll come. And I said to him, why not? He said, well, I've read your website and I see what you're doing. He said, and we're small in number. I said, we're not interested in numbers. He said, well, we've got a a, a nucleus of people with learning difficulties. And we've got some people with mental health issues. But we've also got some high flyers. I said, are they interested in longing for an encounter with God? He said, they are. I said, we'll come. And so we went to do this church weekend and it's probably the highlight of the past 6 months many of them encountered god god spoke to Liz and I time and time again through prophetic visions and prophetic words and people were freed they were healed and they were empowered and and they had a session at the very end where people could give testimony and you're sitting there as the guest speakers praying, Lord, let somebody say something. (laughs) Anyway, they just popped up all over the place. The testimonies were inspiring. And after we went back home, we we reflected on the weekend and, and we asked each other, did we do something different? Did we say something different that released the power of God in such a way? And God clearly spoke to us. And this is what he said. He said, it wasn't about you, it was about them. And then we recognised, as we watched them throughout the weekend, they had humility, they had unconditional love, they had patience for each other. By the bucketful, And it was there that God commanded his blessing. As the late Jim Graham used to say, I know you know this, Kings, but let me remind you that God commands his blessing to flow where there is humility, unconditional love, and patience. Josh Meyer writes, Satan always hates Christian unity It is his policy to keep Christians apart. Anything which can divide us from one another, he delights in. Second area Paul highlights in growth is in leadership. Verses 7 to 11. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says... When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Now let me say three things about growing leadership within the body of Christ. First of all, they need to be recognised. The word grace in verse 7 can be translated the word gift. In the context of this passage, Paul says leadership is a gift from Christ to the church, to the body that needs to be recognised. Paul mentions here what we call the fivefold ministries and the reason for these gifts is to prepare God's people for service and for ministry but it's clear from scripture that God has gifted the church with multiple leaders and we need to recognize that leadership at every level within the body as a gift from God. Paul Thomas he is a gift from God to the body. Kathy Newsbaum is a gift of God to the body. Phil Shaw is a gift of God. Andrew Burton is a gift from God. Abby Shorey is a gift from God to the body, to the church. And the list goes on and on and on. And as each of them, with their passion and their gifting and vision, they strengthen the church, the purpose of the church, and the unity of the church, and the life of the church. Leadership is a key element in building a healthy, lively, vibrant church. And we need to recognise those gifts within the body secondly we need to honor them it is very clear in paul's teaching that those in leadership should be respected and honored they should be honored for the service for the faithfulness for the diligence for the steadfastness we honor them when we pray for them we honor them when we serve them We honour them when we speak well of them, when we trust them, when we defend them, when we bless them. For Jesus, this is interesting, for Jesus, in Mark 6, the lack of honour hindered the coming of God's kingdom and power. The lack of honour hindered the release of God's Spirit in power. And where there is honour in the house, there is a release of the supernatural. And natives need to be encouraged and inspired as they serve God. Liz and I were in Bournemouth just over Christmas. We were staying at Jill and Jeff Butler's house. They were in Dubai. And Sunday morning I woke up, and I had the name of this church that we'd never been to before. And I said to Liz, I think we should go to this church this morning. And she said, great, let's find out where it was. And so we went on Google Maps and we found out where it was. And it took us quite a while to get to this church. But we eventually got there and the services started and we just slipped in the back and were there worshipping God. And then the pastor gets up to speak. And Liz looks at me, and I look at her, and she leaned over, and she said to me, this pastor is in burnout. I goes, really? She said, yeah, he's in burnout. He preached this sermon, and then at the end of the sermon, he said, church, I need to inform you today that I'm going on sabbatical. He says, that's from January, I'm on sabbatical, and I don't know when I'll be back. And as we looked across the congregation, we saw this couple that we recognised. And we've known them for about 35 years. And we didn't realise that we're, they were in leadership in this team. They were both elders. And so this couple came over and they said, oh, it's great to see you, Paul and Liz. And I said, it was great to see you. She said, would you do us a big favour today? I said, yeah. What would you like us to do? She said, would you pray we're pastor? Because he's in burnout. And we looked at each other and we said, absolutely. And so he came and he stood before us and, uh, and we prayed over him and we honoured him in the presence of God. And I tell you that there was a, a physical manifestation changed as we spoke blessing and as we spoke honour into his life. I want to encourage you, church, to look for ways Look for opportunities to honour those, to respect those, to serve those that God has placed in leadership within the body. Third of all, they need to be followed. Sid Baxter once said, if people ain't following, you ain't leading. Quite profound. And the call upon leaders is to lead and guide the people into all that God has planned for them with vision and confidence and authority and enthusiasm and faith, believing in the promises of God. Leaders who lead and who set an example in every way. Paul said you should pray for them. I love this quote and challenge from Bill Johnson. He says this, It takes more than a busy church, a friendly church, or even an evangelical church to impact a community for Christ. It must be a church ablaze, led by leaders who are ablazed for God. Please pray for your leaders as they seek to fulfill God's calling upon their lives. Third area of Paul highlights in growth is gifting. Verse 12 and 13 to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now in the context of body ministry Paul here mentions three things. First of all he says each member is equipped. We are equipped through Ephesians 5 ministries, but we are also equipped individually by the grace and by the Spirit of God. In 1 Peter, we read these words, and each have received a gift, employ to serve the church. Be a good servant of that gift, which you have received, So that you may abound and abound in the service of God. You see, God doesn't call us into service and then leave us to fend for ourselves. He he equips the called. And the question that we need to ask ourselves as individuals today is what has he given to us? What has he equipped us with? In order that we can serve the body, build the body up and advance the kingdom of God. For Moses it was a staff. For David it was a sling. For Joseph it was the gift of interpretation. For the widow woman it was a small flask of oil. For a little boy it was five rolls and two sardines. The question is. What is God placed in your household? What is God placed in your life, in your heart, in your mind? What is God placed in your hands that can be used for his kingdom? Secondly, for gifting to grow, each member has a part to play. Paul says the body will function effectively as each member plays its part. And when we fail to function in our passion and gifting, the body suffers. Many of you will remember that nine months ago, uh, I had a a slip disc which was very painful. And over three months, I gradually made progress. But even now, from time to time, my Big toe on my left foot gets numb to the extent I just can't feel it. Liz, my lovely wife, she'll tell me it's because I'm not doing the exercises that the physio said I should do. And that might be the case. (laughs) But when that happens, it affects the way that I walk. And the way that I live. You see, a desk that's out of place, a toe that's numb, a knee joint that's worn or damaged, will affect the whole body. Paul says, never underestimate how your part, how your function, can affect the effectiveness of the whole body. Thirdly, to grow in gifting, we need to be released in that gifting. In Romans 12, Paul writes, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. He says, if you have the gift of prophecy, stand up and prophesy. If you've got the gift of teaching, then teach. If you've got the gift of serving, then serve. If you Have the gift of giving, then give generously. If you've got the gift to encourage, then give encouragement. If you've got the gift of mercy, then do it cheerfully. Paul says, whatever you do, do it. Don't wait for someone else to see the basin and the towel and the water and the dirty feet. Don't wait for someone else to get out the boat. Just do it. You know, so often, part of the fivefold ministry is to see the gifting in other people and release that gifting. A few weekends ago, Liz and I were at this church weekend, and I saw this couple sitting during worship. And uh, I saw this cloak or mantle over them. And then I saw them ministering to different people in the spirit. And they were bringing healing and freedom and and restoration to the body of Christ. And I felt convicted and prompted by God to go over and to pray that they'd be released into all that God had called them to be. And so I spoke this over them. And and as I spoke this word, they, they both started to weep. And then at the end, I said to them, did that make sense? And she said, oh my, you have no idea. She says, we've just finished two years training at L.L. Grange for ministry. But we don't feel worthy. We don't feel worthy. And we came on this weekend asking that God would speak in such a way that we would be released into ministry. And her husband looked at me and he nudged me. He said, you know, I was in the Navy for many years. I said, well, you need to leave that boat behind. (laughs) And they did. And Liz and I watched him throughout the weekend ministering to different individuals and couples as they were released in the spirit of God. This is what Rick Warren writes in his book, Purpose Driven Life. He says, the only way you can serve God is by serving other people. You've got the big day out. What a great opportunity to serve the community. You've got children that come every Sunday morning. Captivated little audience to, to sow the seed of God's word and God's spirit in their little lives. What a great opportunity. Wednesday morning all these parents that are coming with their children who need to know the unconditional outrageous love of God what a great opportunity the only way you'll ever serve God and reach your full potential in him as a servant of the king of kings is when you seek to serve rather than be served and fourthly He highlights the growth and maturity. Verses 14 to 16. He says this. Then we will no longer be infants. Tossed back and forth by the waves. And blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And by the cunning and craftiness of people. And their deceitful schemings. Instead, speak the truth in love. And we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up into love as each part does its work. Now the process of this growth into maturity, Paul says, is threefold. First of all, we need to speak the truth in love. Now, this is not a license to speak your mind and to let off steam when somebody has annoyed you. It needs to be seen in the context of the passage. Paul's talking here about being an infant. He's talking about immaturity. He's talking about false doctrine and false teaching. And it's in that context, he says, you should speak the truth in love in order that people might be brought into maturity and stability. And as we share, discuss, and debate doctrine and theology, we do so in love. Paul says, if you see a brother or a sister struggling or going astray in doctrine and theology and lifestyle, you have a responsibility to speak the truth in love. And that truth spoken in love will bring strength and growth to the body. The second process is, Is in the connection and supporting. Paul says, we are joined and we're held together by every supporting ligament. Growth and maturity comes when we connect together, when we support each other. We are stronger together and we need each other to grow. As uh, some of you know, Liz and I have been looking for a spiritual home in Worthing. And we never knew it would be so difficult. Because for 35 years we've been in ministry. And so we were always called to a church to serve. And so we never looked for a church. We were called to be part of that church. But we've been looking for a church family over the past six months. And so the first time in our spiritual life, we ask what is really important within the church family for us? Is worship important? Absolutely. Liz and I just love to worship the Lord. Is teaching important? Absolutely. want to be fed. Is evangelism important? Absolutely. We want to see people saved. But we recognise as we waited upon the Lord that above these three core values that we hold dearly to see within the local church, the main core value we were looking for was relationships within the body of Christ. And I say that to you this morning because you can worship God on your own. You don't need people to worship God. And you can feed yourself. I've done that for 35 years. And you can see people enter the kingdom of God and they're saved by yourself. But Scripture teaches that to grow into the man and the woman of God that he's called you to be, you need the body of Christ. That development, that growth, that maturity of faith, that character is done in the context of relationships within the body of Christ. We went to one church for four weeks Four weeks, nobody spoke to us. We were like, Mr. and Mrs. Cellophane. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) We're here. God's gift to the church. Paul and Liz has arrived. (laughs) But we have found a church. After maybe five churches, went to this church one Sunday morning. I said, Lord, I need to know where I should be. Went to this church and it was really warm inside the church <clears throat> and during the worship I said to Liz I need to go for some fresh air. And so I went outside, got some fresh air coming back into the church <clears throat> and this man came up to me and he said excuse me, he said, are you Scottish? <laughs> oh, I said, I am. Oh, he said, lovely to meet you. He said, my name's Paul. I goes, oh, my name is Paul. He goes, uh, the Lord told me this morning that I would meet a Scottish man here. And uh, he wants you to know something. He said, so I put it in my phone uh, so that you could read what God wants to say to you this morning. And I said, yes, please. And he opened up his phone and he turned around and there in the phone, he said, you've come home. He says, does that make sense? I said, absolutely. <laughs> and so I went in and I said to Liz, I've just had this amazing experience. I'm not sure if it was an angel, but <laughs> I met this man and his name was Paul. <laughs> I said, and, and God spoke to him last night and, and, and he, he told him to tell me we've come home. We were away the following week and the next week went back to the church and the pastor came up and spoke to us and and uh, I said to him, oh, I had an amazing experience two weeks ago. I met this chap, and he gave me this word from God, and, and the word was that we'd come home. And he said, who's the guy? Can you see him? And I'm looking around, there's about 250, 300 people. I can't see him. I said, oh, I know, his name was Paul. I goes.' I And his daughter-in-law was on the welcoming team. Oh, I know who you mean, he says. Four of his family are in this church. His son is one of the pastors in this church. But he's not from here. He lives in France and he was over for the weekend. (laughs) Isn't that incredible? This church loves to worship. This church has a great teaching reputation. In fact, the pastor must be in his mid-thirties. And I have never sat under such depth of teaching in a long time. This church is evangelistic. I've been greatly challenged. Every Sunday, without question, they give an appeal for salvation and people are saved. Every week, every week we've been there, people have been saved. But above all that, They are committed to relationships within the body of Christ in order that we might grow into maturity. I'm absolutely thrilled about this newcomer's lunch. 65 people attending. Maybe I've come just for this. If you're attending this lunch, get connected to King's. This is the place that you should be. And you'll be valued here. And your passion and your gifting will be called forth. They will stretch you. They will love you. They will care for you. But most of all, you will mature in your faith in Christ. Finally, the process was transformation. Paul says, as a body, we are in this Metamorphous state of becoming more like Jesus, who is the head of the body. Paul says we will grow and will become more like him. One of the blessings of living in Worthing is we live near our four little granddaughters. And little Harriet, uh, she's got a mop of blonde curly hair. Uh, And I had to go and pick her up from school this day. And it was my first time going to pick her up from school. And I'm standing with all the parents and some are grandparents waiting for the children to come out. And the teacher comes out and she looks up for the parent or the grandparent. And we've never met before. And she looks up and she comes to me with Hattie and she says, I don't need to ask who she belongs to. (laughs) There was a slight family resemblance. Paul says the whole process of growth is that we change from one degree of glory to another, becoming more like him. And when we're filled with his love and his patience, humility and mercy and grace, and when we're constantly filled by his spirit, we will grow and become more like him. Heidi Baker writes this. Christ-likeness is not produced by imitation But by inhabitation. When we were leaving Kings, some people said to me, How can you leave this church? What was more painful for Liz and I was leaving this church. That was the people. And you know, God's grand design for you, kings is to grow spiritually and numerically in an unprecedented way in the history of this church. I said it before and I say it again under this leadership that God has appointed the best is yet to come. I feel really convicted to do three things very quickly this morning. First of all, I want us to honour those who are in leadership within the church. Not only the eldership, but also those in different leadership levels within the church and within the staff team. I want us as a body of Christ just to lay hands on you and to bless you. I'm going to ask Liz to come and pray over you. So if you're a leader within the church, if you're in a position of leadership, would you stand so we can recognise you and so we can honour you? Please stand. Thank you for listening. For further podcasts or information, go to www.kca.church.